This is It Was a Thing on TV. Ow, what the heck, man? I give you Super Train. Episode 350. Yay. Submission number 800. The Slap. The Slap aired on NBC from February 12th to April 2nd, 2015. For eight episodes. And now here's this weirdly out of place jazz theme for some reason. In 2008, Australian author Christos Soikas wrote a landmark novel presented through the viewpoints of eight individual characters and focusing on their reactions after a man controversially reprimands his friend's son by slapping him during a social gathering. The Slap, the novel, won the Commonwealth Writers' Prize in 2009 and was adapted into two miniseries. The first miniseries aired on ABC Australia in 2011 and featured Jonathan LaPaglia and Melissa George, both renowned Australian thespians who have been on American productions from one time or another. Seeing the success of this miniseries, Universal and NBC commissioned an American version of the show. Developed by John Robin Baltz and Walter F. Parks, known for many things, including Men in Black, Minority Report, and being a two-time Pulitzer Prize finalist. The American version pretty much follows the line of both the novel and the Australian miniseries. Instead of it being in Melbourne, however, it took place in... New York City. New York City! Because that's where all of American TV shows take place. We have a same birthday party, same couple, same friends, same loud Greek family, and the same guy getting slapped. So here's the basic synopsis. Hector is a public servant, husband, and father, and valued friend on the cusp of his 40th birthday. His beautiful and intelligent wife, Aisha, is planning his birthday party filled with friends and his very boisterous Greek family. Sounds like the making of a great day, right? You would think. As Hector tries to navigate family politics, Awkward friendships and the young woman he's dangerously captivated by, the built-up tension explodes when Hector's hot-headed cousin Harry slaps another couple's misbehaving child, which stops the party dead in its tracks. 
Everybody's understandably stunned, and the party ends with the child's parents bowing legal action. But what the hosts and the guests don't know is that this moment ignites a chain of events that uncovers long-buried secrets within this group of friends and family, and vigorously challenge the core values of everyone involved. Now, let's be clear here. This show deals with a serious subject. But let's be quite honest. All anyone remembers this show for is just the slap, and that's it. Yeah, it's pretty much all anybody ever remembers, because it's pretty much all anybody showed of this series. Now, I remember when they showed the trailer for this. And I just remember the way it was edited. I remember thinking to myself, this is so stupid. This is the stupidest show. Who would want to watch eight episodes of this? And little did I know that in like a decade from now, I'd be like, oh, crap. Now I got to watch this. Guys, I actually paid money to watch all eight episodes of this. You paid the $13 for the season on Prime Video. No, I paid the $17 on iTunes for it. I didn't realize it was 13 bucks on Prime Video. Yeah, we usually save this bit for the end of the show, but this show is available in its entirety for $13 on Prime Video. Yeah, and I could have saved that $4. Yeah, but as we've established on this show, you hate money. Yeah, but I also wanted to save $4. I get that. This show basically has no guest stars. Everybody appears through the entire series, which lends more credence to the argument that it was always meant to be a miniseries instead of it being a series that was canceled after eight episodes. Or if you're like living in the 1980s, you could use the old school term novel for television. Novel for television. That's how they used to describe some miniseries back in the day. Like, The Winds of War was described as a novel for television. Yeah, and weren't um, ABC Weekend Special's children's novels for television? Something like that. Yeah, okay. And it should be mentioned that the original Australian series, it was a miniseries, and it lasted eight episodes. And... I really don't want to spoil anything, but if you look at the episode guides for the Australian series versus the American series, they all have the same episode titles. Yeah, because they follow the point of view of each character in that particular episode. No, I get that, but it's almost like an exact carbon copy of the Australian series. And the novel. Don't forget the novel. Well, and the novel, too, by, by extension, absolutely. But it's like, okay, why did NBC go to all this trouble if they're just going to basically do the Australian version? Why don't they just borrow or rent or whatever the Australian version? Save a lot of money in production. True. All right, so let's go over this family and these friends. Uh, playing the role of Deputy Commissioner Hector Apostolo, 
And again, I do apologize for butchering these Greek pronunciations. Peter Sarsgaard, who is in Dead Man Walking in 1995, he's basically a veteran of the independent film circuit. Let's not forget he was in Gordon State with Zach Braff and Natalie Portman. Mm-hmm. And hold on a second. Do you know who played his mother in Gordon State, Peter Sarsgaard? Who? Gene Smart. Ah. Uh, have you ever seen Gordon State, Chico? I've never seen Garden State. Okay. Do you know who plays Gene Smart's boyfriend from medieval times in Garden State? Are you ready for this? Go ahead. Sheldon from the Big Bang Theory. Jim Parsons. Yes! Also, let's remember, Peter Sarsgaard did have a little popularity at one time. He hosted an episode of Saturday Night Live. Oh, yes. The very famous Skarsgård sketch. Is that the one where they, uh, uh, like an advertisement for Sarsgaard, something to protect you from getting SARS? I think so. That's where I remember him from. There, there was, I don't know if it was a, a commercial spoof, but he, he was pitching something called Sarsgaard, which protected you from getting SARS, which was something, you know, it, it was COVID a decade before COVID, let's say, but not as bad. Hi, I'm critically acknowledged actor Peter Sarsgaard. <laughs> and today I'd like to talk to you about a very serious matter. We live in a world where we're never sure where the next infectious disease will strike. Today that disease is bird flu. Three years ago that disease was SARS. Do you remember that? <laughs> I do. Because three years ago I developed these. The Peter Sarsgaard Sarsgaard, the only commercially available Sarsgaard with my picture on it. Now, normally I'd never tried to take advantage of a terrible tragedy, but my name is Peter Sarsgaard. It was kind of a no-brainer. But the fact is that I now have several warehouses full of Peter Sarsgaard brand Sarsgaards, 250 million of them to be exact. Originally retailing for $120 a price, I'm, I now realize was obscenely high. They can now be had for the very reasonable price of five for a dollar. <laughs> now, the SARS-Guard SARS-Guard is 60% effective against the SARS bacteria. That's 60%. That's nearly 10% more effective than the natural filters contained within the human lung. Now... I have to be honest, it's been pretty difficult to sell these things. Not only will the AMA not certify the Peter Sarsgaard Sarsgaard that they won't even return my calls. I swore that I would never say this about anyone, but I hope that all those AMA turkeys get SARS. But I don't want you to get SARS. Now, I made a terrible decision by getting involved with these Sarsgaards, but you might not be making a terrible decision by not getting involved with them today. The Peter Sarsgaard, Sarsgaard. The only Sarsgaard with my face on it. People forget that COVID is a variation on SARS. Just so we can be clear. Playing the wife of Hector, Aisha Apostolou, 
Athletic Director, Tandiwa Newton. Well, we could just call her Tandy Newton. Sorry to ruin your pronunciation and, and your practice there, Chico. Hey, I was just, hey, she wanted to be addressed as Tandiwa, so I'm addressing her as Tandiwa. Okay, it, it says here that she was credited as Tandy, though, in the series. I know her. she's changed her spelling in the last couple of years, but potato, potato. Yeah, of course, nowadays we remember her from all four seasons of Westworld. All right, Mike, get it out of your system now. You talked about it in the chat. What? The fact that I've only seen like two minutes of Westworld, and by sheer coincidence, the two minutes I've seen of Westworld was a nude scene with Tandy Newton? Yes! And I fell in love with her as soon as I saw her. <laughs> you didn't say all that now. I said I I'm making her my third wife, so yeah. I think that means that I just had a mad, sick, friggin' crush on her. I'm curious as to who the other two wives are. I don't think I want to know. Yeah, 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 I was going to say, going on to the next person in the cast. Yeah. yeah, let's do that. Playing the daughter of Hector and Aisha, Melissa, Ashley Ofterheide, currently playing the role of Gwen, on the new Netflix drop, That 90s Show. Oh, so we're current. Yes. Well, for you, well, we're current as in you, me, and Mike. We're all 90s kids. Actually, we're 80s kids bordering on 90s kids. Not but Mike. Yeah. He's always been like 20 in the 90s. That would be a 90s kid. Uh, excuse me. Wait, 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 wait. Excuse me. When the 90s started, I was 14 years old. Yeah, so so I was still count. technically a 90s kid. When you're talking about early on, I'm a 90s kid. If you're talking about later on, like 95, 97, yeah, I was in my 20s at that point. So I was a 90s kid, sort of a cusp 80s, 90s kid. Yes. Now watch somebody come up with that 2000s show and make us all feel old. That's happening in 10 years. Mark it down. <laughs> now playing the older brother of Melissa and the first child of Hector and Aisha, Adam Apostolo, Khalid Ilzuma. Playing Anouk Latham, Hector's childhood friend and a television executive producer, Uma Thurman. Yes! And listen, we don't need to describe Uma Thurman. Y'all know who Uma Thurman is. And you all know who her daughter is. Her daughter's Robin on Stranger Things. Yep. And uh, uh, fun fact, Mary Louise Parker was originally cast as a nuke, but had to drop out because she came down with pneumonia. Are we not going to talk about Peter Griffin playing Uma Thurman's Eye Wrangler? <laughs> oh, God, I forgot about that. I guess we have to now. I got Greg to remember it. My job's done. <laughs> All right. Now, playing Hugo Wexler, the receiver of the titular slap, Dylan Shambing, who played Rocky on all 76 episodes of something called Gigantosaurus. Gigantosaurus! Yes. 
What the hell is Gigantosaurus? I'm guessing it's a cartoon that involves a dinosaur. Oh, it has to be. But if you are above cartoons, first of all, the hell's wrong with you. And second of all, he played 32 episodes worth of Charlie on The Girlfriend's Guide to Divorce. Okay, you're talking about Gigantosaurus? Yes. It was on Disney Junior. That explains it. Yeah, that explains it. Playing his parents, Rosie and Gary Wexler, the mother is played by Melissa George, who played the same role in the original Australian version. Father Gary is played by Thomas Sadowski, who is known for his role as Don Keeler in The Newsroom and Matt Short in Life in Pieces. Oh, and by the way, you know who was also on The Newsroom, Chico? Um, I know this because I love the newsroom. Uh, Jeff Daniels and yeah, well, not not Al- in the main cast. Supporting oh, cast. not the oh, not the, okay. I I got nothing. Uh, oh, hey, I mentioned the show earlier, like two minutes ago. Two minutes ago, okay. What did I mention two minutes ago when talking about Uma Thurman? Stranger Things. And who was on the newsroom that was on Stranger Things? I got nothing. I got David Horber. Thank you. See, I wouldn't have remembered if he hadn't told me. Anthology of lost television, ladies and gentlemen. Anyway, then we go to Harry Apostolo, Hector's cousin, a rare auto dealer, and the deliverer of the titular slap. Oh, yes. And playing the role of Harry, Zachary Quinto. That's right. And you know what that means. Spock, he slapped the shit out of a kid. You'll never see Ethan Peck slap the shit out of a kid. No. Zachary Quinto, he slapped the shit out of a kid on the slap. That's a strange new world reference, kids. Harry's wife, Sandy Apostolo, is played by Marin Ireland, who's basically a theater actress. And in the role of Harry's preteen son, Rocco Apostolou, Owen Tanzer. This is basically his only role in a lasting series. He was in a couple more movies, but that was it. Next playing Manolis Apostolou, Hector's father, Brian Cox. Oh yes, Brian Cox. And of course... We can't mention Brian Cox without talking about Succession. Yep. New season coming soon. And also, because we got a new season of Succession coming up, you know what that means. We're going to have an excuse to talk about Alan Ruck. Be on the lookout for that, my friends. That's right. Hey, two but- shows in a row with a famous viewer reference. There you go. Uh, Plague his wife, Kula Apostolou. Maria Tucci. She was in six episodes of Law and Order as a recurring character. And that was pretty much it as far as television is concerned. And as Harry's attorney, Tanasis Korkulis, Michael Nori. That's right. Flash dance, baby. But also, we're going to talk about him in future entry downtown. Mm hmm. 
Oh, hold on a second. One more thing about Michael Nury. He was in the 1990 Captain America movie. Do you remember the 1990 Captain I America movie? I do remember. The, yeah, Matt Salinger as Cap. Yeah, I remember him. Oh, it was terrible. It was horrible. Thank God they got Chris Evans 21 years later. And also, as Connie, the babysitter who watches Hector and Aisha's children, Mackenzie Lee, who is known for being a that girl from that thing, but nowadays you can see her in all seven episodes of season two of Gotham. Connie's best friend, Richie, played by Lucas Hedges, who was in Moonrise Kingdom in 2012. And I should note, the character of Richie is very important to the series because he is like a photographer. And so he's taking pictures of everything. And that becomes like important later. That becomes super important later. As ADA Bridget Saltier, we have Ellen Adair, no relation to Deborah Adair from the last episode we did. But she played a similar role on three episodes of Ball from 2019 to 2021. Then we have, as Anouk's much younger actor boyfriend, Jamie, Penn Badgley, who you would remember as the creepy stalker in You. Me? Not you. You. Me? Uh not you! You! Me! Not! Are we really doing this? Who's on first? Playing Richie's mother, Fiona, Molly Price, known as Faith Yogas in Third Watch. And Anouk's mother, Virginia Latham, played by Blythe Danner. Oh, that's right. Yeah. Yep. And you all know, yeah, she's Gwyneth Paltrow's mommy. She's kind of a big deal. Yeah. And her husband created Scene Elsewhere. And the White Shadow. And the White Shadow. And tying this all together, the narrator. Oh, the narrator. Who'd they get as the narrator? Victor Garber. Wait, hold on. You mean the same Victor Garber? who was the star of the CBS sitcom in the mid-80s, I Had Three Wives? Yes. Wow. He was also an alias. That's right. and he That's, was a, that's a hell of a jump, by the way. Oh, yeah, from I Had Three Wives. But let's not forget he was in Titanic. Yes, where he had to affect the Scottish accent. Don't bury the lead, though. He was on I Had Three Wives. <laughs> Okay, so now that you know all of the players, we're going to go through the entire story, all eight points of view, all eight episodes. Okay, good. All right, y'all ready? Yeah. Episode one, Hector. On his 40th birthday, Hector, an assistant deputy commissioner, struggles with getting older, advancement at his job, and his attraction to his teenage babysitter, Connie who works at his wife's medical clinic. During his birthday party with family and friends, his cousin Harry slaps Hugo, another couple's out-of-control child, for misbehaving, 
causing an impact on everyone's lives moving forward. Now, let me be clear here. The reason that Harry slaps Hugo is because he will not put down the wiffle ball bat down. And it's not just like a normal wiffle ball bat. No, he's playing wiffle ball with a normal baseball bat, which is stupid. Why would you why, do that? Why would you do that? And he's just being a complete jerk. So he just slaps him for being a jerk. I don't condone violence toward anyone, especially if it's a stranger slapping another stranger's kid. But you have to understand the whole dramatics that ensues. Not hilarity, dramatics ensues. Yes. Because there's a reason why he does it. And, and in his point of view, he's just being a jerk. So it's like, you gotta behave yourself. Slap. Now this was told through Hector's point of view. Yes. Episode 2. Harry. Two NYPD detectives speak to Hector about an investigation regarding the incident with Harry. Harry confronts Sandy and tries to ask if she spoke with Hector in secret, which she denies. Hector and Harry pay Gary and Rosie a visit in hopes that things go well, but the mediation goes sour, and after Harry storms off, Rosie calls the police. Rocco gets into a fight with a teammate from his basketball team. Rocco explains to Harry that he needed to stand up for himself, to which Harry replies that learning how to be assertive with control is something that the two need to learn. The NYPD detectives meet up with Harry and let him know that charges were pressed and that he will be arraigned in criminal court. Hector learns of Harry's arrest and goes to the court where he learns that Rosie accused Harry of assaulting the family by throwing a chair? Bail is posted, and Harry confides to Hector that this matter will be fought. So we go from slapping to hitting him with a chair? What is this, the Geraldo show? I was thinking, what is this, Monday Night Raw? What is this, Town Talk with George Newman? Lesbian Nazi hookers abducted by UFOs and forced into weight loss programs. All this week on Town Talk. One thing I want to add about this episode, and actually three other episodes, so half of the eight total episodes, this was directed by Ken Olin, who you might remember from 30-something. Yes, quite the director in his own right. Episode three, Anouk. Anouk, Aisha, and Rosie discuss Harry's arrest. Rosie is happy about it, but Anouk suggests she drop the lawsuit. Rosie insinuates that Anouk is saying this because she doesn't have children, which causes Anouk to visit her mother, Virginia. After seeing Jamie perform at a nightclub, Anouk vomits in the bathroom and realizes she's pregnant. Uh-oh! Uh-oh. Greg put a certain amount of enthusiasm into that one. That was one of his better uh-ohs. Yeah. At dinner with Virginia, Anouk and Jamie learn that she is selling Anouk's home in order to move to Scotland, which upsets Anouk. The next day, Anouk breaks up with Jamie and contemplates having an abortion. Aisha tries to talk her out of it. Anouk learns Virginia has brain cancer and plans to visit a treatment center in Edinburgh, hence her plans to move to Scotland. Anouk confirms her pregnancy to Virginia and reconciles with Jamie. So... To review, 
Hector just saw his cousin at his birthday party slap a kid. And Harry defends himself from a trumped-up charge of hitting somebody with a folding chair. And now Anouk is pregnant, and her mother has brain cancer, which she's seeking treatment for in Scotland. This is completely bad insane. <laughs> We're not even halfway through the show, kids. Episode 4, Manolis. Manolis is disturbed by the events going on with his family and tries to resolve the situation. Rosie, Gary, and Aisha meet with the district attorney, who bluntly tells them that they don't have a case unless they can prove Harry has a longer history of being violent. Aisha looks very upset and stops talking. Hector is aghast at a sleazy but effective attorney who earns Harry's trust in business with his plan to ruin Rosie and Gary by revealing details of what they're really like. Later, when Manolis asks her for help in getting the case against Harry dismissed, Aisha tells him that several years ago, she treated Harry's wife Sandy after she came in with severe bruising to her face. Manolis confronts Harry, who denies ever hitting Sandy, but hints that they did have other confrontations that could have resulted in injuries. Manolis and his wife reflect on how to let their children handle events now that they're adults, and reunites with his oldest and best friend. So now Manolis is reuniting with his friend, and he and his wife are wondering how to just let their children handle this now that they're adults. Now we're halfway through the series. Episode 5, Connie. Connie learns from her friend Richie that he has photos from the party where the slap occurred, and also showing her kissing Hector. Oh boy! Oh no! She asks him to delete the photos, and after tries to inspire Hector to be romantic, but he bluntly says their affair, and her time as their babysitter, is over. A hurt Connie meets up with the boyfriends of her late, wild absentee father, Malcolm, and learns about his irresponsible lifestyle. Meanwhile, the prosecutor and family of Hugo appear in a conference with the defendant, Harry, and his attorney, with the judge mediating. The defendant wants the case dismissed, claiming it was self-defense, while the prosecutor refuses to back down, claiming the defendant is a child abuser. The judge decides the case for trial. Connie sees Rosie later and finds her crying because the judge has ordered Hugo to have a psychological evaluation. Connie then tells her they still have the photos, which do not support Harry's version of what happened. So now Connie's boyfriend is all up in this with the photos. Episode 6. Aisha. A Greek public relations expert wants Aisha, because she is not a relative, not Greek, and not a really close friend, to appear as a character witness for Harry. He feels that what they need is a respectable member of the community who is a physician to take the stand in his case and say that Harry is a good man whose deeds have helped kids, and that he is a decent man. He points out that the criminal trial is just the beginning. If Harry is convicted, the child's family will use it as evidence to start a multi-million dollar civil suit for damages. 
Aisha, who knows for a fact that Harry did cut Sandy with a punch to the temple years ago, weighs this while she nearly has a fling with a colleague, and then she and Hector sadly confess to each other the way they haven't been truly faithful. This is getting serious. Episode 7, Rosie. As Harry's criminal trial approaches, Rosie's life begins to completely fall apart. Hugo is expelled from school, Gary gets angry at Rosie's behavior, and when Rosie tries to get Richie to turn over the photos, Richie and his mom both tell Rosie to leave and not come back. Harry's lawyer, Thanasis, asks him if they can use some damaging personal information about Rosie that researchers found, but Harry is reluctant. Rosie asks Harry to accept a no-contest plea that will result in no jail time and a small fine. Harry turns her down. After being drilled by the DA about his abusive treatment of Sandy, Harry accepts Thanasis' line of defense. Gary is horrified at Rosie's treatment and tells the DA about Richie's photos so that he will have to produce them. At the same time, Richie is home deleting images from a video file card. Uh oh. Uh oh. And it all comes to a head with episode 8 Richie. A police detective serves a warrant for Richie's laptop in order to obtain the photos. Richie confirms that he deleted them but willingly surrenders his laptop and flash drive. Tarasis reveals his strategy to Harry. He will get the pictures thrown out and leak new information he acquired about Richie's past. His past is published by a New York newspaper as an only-in-New-York story. With his past in print, Richie attempts suicide, but Gary calls an ambulance, and Richie recovers. When questioned by Tanasis, Richie explains that he deleted the photos because they were photographs of people he cared about behaving badly and felt that no one should see them. Harry is found guilty of attempted assault of a minor in the third degree, but the judge sentences him to time already served. She then advises Gary and Rosie that they can expect a visit from Child Protective Services. Connie and Richie leave for college, and Anouk's friends gather at her home to welcome her new baby. That's the show. This is one of those David Lynch sort of joints where everything falls apart and then comes together again, isn't it? Because that's what it read like to me. Well, not quite David Lynch, but it's kind of like a, uh, God, what, what would you say? It's kind of like a, uh, well, it's a novel for television, as we said earlier. It's one of those things that, you know, you just have to read into everything, I guess you could say. But yeah, we talked about this already. There were only eight episodes. They were available for uh, release on Peacock for a time. But now if you go to Peacock, you will only get the original Australian version. And we've already said that you can buy the entire run on Video On Demand, be it uh, Prime Video or iTunes. Or believe it or not, you can get it on DVD. Oh, really? You can get it on DVD, absolutely. Uh, you can get either the NBC version or the original version in Australia on DVD. And not for terribly much money. I was going to do an eBay Prices Right based on rarity, but nope. 
Uh, looks like you can get it for, I see a 774, buy it now. Pre-owned, so uh, it's been used, but under eight bucks if you're interested in this. Meanwhile, reviews were sort of meh. Newsday gave it the uh, highest review of a 91 out of 100, saying that it's a chance and a worthy one. Then you compare that to uh, the Denver Post, who said that the cast is inviting, but the too prominent, overly obvious voiceover narrator is a truly awful innovation. So they love the cast, but they hate Victor Garber. Why would you hate Victor Garber? He was on I Had Three Wives. I don't know. I, ju I just don't know. And the Hollywood Reporter gave it a 3 out of 10, saying, Everything about the slap feels manipulated. You can smell the smoke off the puppet strings as the characters are jerked into being jerks. And that's just the pilot. The anvil drops more often and with more velocity in the second episode. So I have to wonder. Now, obviously, evidence points into the direction that this was always meant to be a temporary TV show. A miniseries. A novel for television, if you will. But the premiere launched with a rating of 5 million viewers watching. Then it sort of went down until it hit about 3 million for the finale. The show aired at 8 o'clock on a Thursday, which is time that's usually reserved for... Oh, this'll do it. Grey's Anatomy on ABC. Oh, yeah. That's it. And? And? The Big Bang Theory and Mom on CBS. Oh, yeah. Well, that'll definitely do it. And unfortunately, I do not know what aired on Fox because TV Tango does not have that information. Oh, wait. It was American Idol. Oh, yeah. It's the dying days of American Idol on Fox, but still American Idol. Uh-huh. So, yeah. American Idol, Big Bang... And Grey's Anatomy. Bing, bang, boom. Against those three, you didn't have a chance even if you did want to make another season. But perhaps it's for the best that another season didn't happen. Because this show sort of read to me like the American version of Broadchurch, in which you have a conflict and you have a resolution, and anything else would just try and stretch the premise thin. Of course, they renewed Broadchurch for a second season, and we saw that bear out. By the way, we will be covering the American version of Broadchurch later this year. Not saying when, but it will coincide with a big anniversary. Just saying. And if you know who was on the show... Yeah, it's pretty obvious. Yeah. Thoughts, guys? I really wonder how they do a second season, just because, again, the original Australian version was an eight-episode miniseries. Yeah, are they going to go on uh, talking about uh, the, the birth of the child or the, the child's uh, younger years that was born in the final episode? I, I, I don't know where they could go with that. Really don't. So I just wonder if a second season 
just was never going to happen. If this essentially was a series, which really was just a veiled miniseries, if that makes any sense. That totally makes sense. Well, after the slap, okay, as I said, all anybody remembers this for is like the slap. And that's it. I mean, where else can you go after that? Well, you see one couple's pursuit of justice, and you see one family falling apart. You know what? The question is right there, Greg. Where do you go from this? So, yeah, I guess they saw that in Australia, they took the story as as long as it could go and decided here in America to go the same route. This would sort of set the table for other novels for television to come out. I remember this would be maybe uh, three or four years before the next big novel for television aired, which would be Netflix's 13 Reasons Why. Of course, they made the full mistake of renewing the show for subsequent seasons. If you're going to do a novel for television, this is the way to do it. So what else can we say except... The Slap. It was remembered for one thing. That. And it was a thing on TV. And you know what? I bet you back in 2015, Will Smith was probably watching that. Seeing Zachary Quinto slap that kid and thought, you know what? I'm going to keep this in the back of my mind when I'll need this one day. That's horrible, Greg. It's funny, but it's horrible. I got to agree with Tico. I'm sorry. On both counts. <laughs> yeah. And if you're listening to that, um, I just want to apologize on Greg's behalf. He didn't know what he was talking about. Well, while Greg goes to rinse his mouth out with soap for saying what he just said, bad Greg, you can go to our website at itwasathingontv.com where we have our episodes. 349 previous episodes, plus all the mini shows, plus all the live shows, all the stuff that we've done is right there. And uh, don't forget on socials, we're at It Was a Thing on TV, on Instagram, on Twitter. But Facebook, well, unfortunately, on Facebook, we made Mark Zuckerberg just a little mad and he slapped us so hard, we added a podcast at the end of the name. So it's at It Was a Thing on TV podcast on Facebook. And on YouTube, we don't want you to ring that bell. We want you to slap that bell to stay up to date with all the happenings on YouTube. Yeah, because not only do we have all of our episodes on YouTube, but now we're starting themed playlists on YouTube. Yep. You can take uh, all of your favorite episodes that have a singular theme, play them on YouTube, play them in the background while you watch other forgotten television series. Yeah. I already have like a football related playlist for the Super Bowl that just passed. By the way, we're recording this two days before the Super Bowl. So to cover our bases, congratulations to the Kansas City Chiefs. Yeah. Way to win that Vince Lombardi trophy, Patrick Mahomes. Way to win that Vince Lombardi trophy, Travis Kelsey. 
Okay, can we just agree that ultimately the biggest winner of all is going to be Fox? Yes. They're getting all the advertising money, so they win in the end. All that ad money and season two of Next Level Chef. But before we get to next Hold on. Hold on. Before we go on for next week, can I just say Next Level Chef? That's basically Finders Keepers with Cooking and Gordon Ramsay. I was thinking more along the lines of Funhouse, but yes. But it's in a giant house. Yes. Okay, now next week. Okay, next week we have, for our very first time, we are paying tribute to Black History Month with two episodes, both of which are legendary in the uh, African-American television diaspora. But before that, we have one more mini set. What happens when you have a gold dollar coin that you want to get the word out of? Who are you going to call? You're going to call the father of our country, of course, George Washington. Yeah. But who's going to voice George Washington? Who is? Okay. Oh, you get Batman. I'm Batman. I'm Batman. But you'll find out more about that later on It Was a Thing on TV. Thanks for listening. For Chico, for Mike, I'm Greg. Thank you for all 350 episodes, and we'll see you for the next 350. Row! From the makers of one of the most successful dramas in recent history comes the follow-up series, The Slap, part two. You know what? They'd already started repairs, so we couldn't even take it anywhere else. Yeah, shit the way they do that. Tell me about it. Two and a half grand later, and then... Hey, 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 what's going on? It's mine, Daddy. Noah keeps taking away from me. Noah, give it back. No. Noah, give it back. No! I said give it back now. Mm. Noah! Larry, what the hell are you doing? Larry! Larry, you can't just... Oh, Larry! Oh, are you all right? How did... Larry! Righto, righto, what's going on here? Oh, sir, I'm a wrestler. Oh, oh. The Slap, part two, coming soon to Fox. Ow, what the?